Hey gang, welcome to StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. This is the show where we help you get everything together that you need to broadcast on StreamYard, let you know the latest tips and updates as far as StreamYard features and production techniques go. And then we give you some news from the industry and we also bring on some great guests. And today we've got a, a, an A-list guest that I'm super excited to bring on in just a little bit. It's Michael Kenny. He's a, a TV broadcaster. He's been a pro in the industry for over 30 years. He's an actor. He starred on Canada's longest running TV show and he's also a documentary filmmaker and I think if there's a role that you can play on camera or behind the scenes, he either has done it or he understands how it's done because it's been a part of a production that he was either on or he was producing or he was supervising or involved in. So uh, if there's a different angle to something related to live streaming or broadcasting and it's something that can help us uh michael kenny is the guy to ask and the guy to talk to and we're going to bring him on in just a little bit this is Streamyard connect i'm ross brand so good to have you with us uh Streamyard, of course there's michael getting ready to come on with us in just a second and Streamyard, of course we have the three pillars ease of use stability and professional looking streams you see the co-founders there Gage Van Den Top and Dan Briggs, very responsive to the community and uh, always working to improve the product and bring on new features that different users are requesting if they fit with those three pillars. Again, ease of use, stability, and professional-looking streams. And, of course, you can go to several different destinations with StreamYard, Facebook, LinkedIn Live, you can go to YouTube, Periscope, which gets you on Twitter, Twitch, and uh, if you want to go to another destination that's not supported, uh, among the ones up there that are supported, if you want to go to another destination that you're not seeing a logo for up there, that's probably a better way to put it, you can do that with RTMP, it's uh, merely a matter of of getting a stream key from the destination you want to stream to, putting that into StreamYard, and you can go to that destination as well. There's a, a piece of news I want to discuss regarding Facebook real quick, and that is Facebook has released a new creator app for mobile. They had a Facebook creator app several years ago, I think 2017, I had downloaded it, and uh, it looked like 2017 was the last time I used it when I deleted it from my phone today. But the Facebook creator app that they released uh, the first time didn't really get much use. This mobile Facebook creator app is meant to work in tandem with the Facebook web browser app. And the, the Facebook web browser creator studio, it's called, gives you an opportunity to schedule and a lot of different things that you can use in your video broadcast. And the mobile app, while it doesn't have scheduling and it doesn't have some of the Instagram posting, it is a place where you can go in, you can edit your titles, you can edit your description, you can respond to comments, there are some analytics available. And basically, I think most people who use StreamYard probably do their scheduling through StreamYard anyway. You can schedule it through StreamYard. You you have your broadcast all set up ahead of time, and then you get the link where the show's going to be once you schedule a Facebook Live 
broadcast, but you have that option to go in and you can see older broadcasts, you can look at the analytics, you can make some edits, make some changes, you can switch from your from your different pages right within that app. So I thought that was worth mentioning. The other piece of news that I saw is looks like Mixer is struggling some. Uh, Mixer's Microsoft's answer, I guess, to Amazon's Twitch, and apparently it's not doing that well. And uh, there was a time where some of the uh, creators who were using Twitch or YouTube were excited about Mixer and running over there. Apparently the, it hasn't been able to build off of that. So that's that's another thing that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. And finally, uh, podcasting, as far as Spotify goes, we talked about Spotify having an interest in spending more money to acquire sports podcasting, and then that they were in talks with Bill Simmons. Well, while we were away, and then last week we were focused completely on green screens, uh, they did buy, Spotify did buy Bill Simmons' Ringer Network, which is a sports and pop culture podcasting network. So now they have 30 shows, a million monthly downloads, and lots of podcasting talent and shows and content all within the Spotify family and Spotify's putting its own content out there. And again, even though most of Spotify's listens are music-based, they've identified podcasting as where the the growth is likely to come in the future. So, uh, And again, with the destinations here, we have multi-streaming on our basic plan. You can go to two destinations, such as Facebook and YouTube, or a Facebook page and a Facebook profile if you want. And then on our professional plan, you can go to up to five destinations with StreamYard multi-streaming. And of course, you probably know by now, it's been one of the most popular and talked about features. The StreamYard green screen is available. Basically, it just requires you to get a green screen. There's nothing you need to download. You can see I'm using it now. I found an image online and uploaded it. And uh, redid my my uh, overlay just a little bit because I'm in a tight area. You can see I'm using the still using the Elgato green screen. Still have LED lights on both sides, but because my area is narrow and I switched from camcorder back to a webcam because I like the picture better with the webcam. Um, the webcam has a much wider view, so I've brought in the the box where the picture is visible if that makes sense so where my video comes in i had to do an overlay where i added some black on the sides so that it would cover where my green screen doesn't cover because of the wide angle of the lens so like yesterday when i went live with eddie garrison on his show and we were talking about podfest i put up a little background on the green screen that was podfest but you can see the sides uh, where uh, on, on each side of me, you can see a little bit of my my background where the green screen doesn't cover because of the wide angle lens. So it was still good doing it that way, but that's why I have a a different size square, uh, more of a square than a rectangle where my video is coming through. And speaking of PodFest, StreamYard's going to uh, be sponsoring a live broadcast from PodFest on March 7th. That's a Saturday 
And I will be going live with uh, Hall of Fame podcaster Rob Greenley, and we're going to talk all about PodFest. It's uh, not only a podcasting event, but there are video sessions. There's a video event called VidFest that's part of it. A lot of micro-conferences going on on the Friday before we go live. Uh, some to do with podcasting, some to do with live stream, some to do with well, not live streaming. That's uh, I'm going to be on the live streaming panel on Saturday. But there are different conferences and different events and sessions and networking and a lot of different stuff to talk about. Also, a big expo, uh, maybe some new gear, some exciting new projects, new announcements and new products and uh, some different things that we'll be able to talk about and maybe have some guests as well drop by and join us. So 10 a.m. Eastern on uh the Saturday of PodFest, March 7th, Hall of Fame podcaster Rob Greenlee and I will be going live from PodFest in Orlando, Florida. And of course, you can watch it on the StreamYard Facebook page and several other of the destinations that we go to. And we thank StreamYard for sponsoring that. But that's not all. If you are going to be in Orlando, either for Vodfest or for another reason, we are putting a meetup together at the Orlando World Center Marriott. That's the hotel where the conference is happening. It's a live streamers meetup and StreamYard sponsoring. We'll have some giveaways, some appetizers, and some good stuff. It's 4 p.m. Eastern. It's on that Friday, March 6th at the Orlando World Center Marriott and it's during PodFest and so it's a great opportunity for the live streamers who are at PodFest to get together and say hi to each other and chat in person, maybe make some new friends, maybe find a guest for your show or somebody to go live with doing the conference. It'll be a great time. Do stop by and say hello. Looking for a, a big turnout from the StreamYard users who will be there. And uh, then on Saturday afternoon, I'm going to be on the live video panel at 4.15. So if you're there and you're free at that time, stop by Saturday and check out the live video panel. This is StreamYard Connect. I'm Ross Brand. So glad you could join us this afternoon. Let's get to our guest. As I mentioned at the start, Michael Kinney is a video creator extraordinaire an actor, a TV star, a producer, a, a, a documentary filmmaker, and a, a good friend. And I'm so excited to have him joining us right now. Welcome, Michael. Great to see you. Thanks, Ross. Thank you for that introduction. I think you oversold me a bit, though. Star, television star? I don't know. <laughs> hey, you were on the most, the most popular or longest running show in Canadian television history. Tell people about that. Degrassi. Yeah. So Degrassi is a uh, it's a show for, I guess, kids, not kids, youth. Mm. And uh, it started back in the early 80s. I wasn't on that series. So it was, it was really popular in the 80s. It ended. Then it came back uh, around 2001. It was called Degrassi, The Next Generation. And I was cast onto that version of Degrassi as Coach Armstrong, the gym coach, the or rather the gym teacher, basketball coach volleyball coach badminton everything <laughs> and then as well i was a math teacher so i did that uh for oh gosh 10 12 years and then they retooled it again into degrassi next class hmm. 
and I was still on there. So all told, I was on the series for 16 seasons. And then you've been on some other shows. You've played a professor, I believe. You were on a, a science show. Tell us a little bit about what else you've done. Yeah, so I started my career on camera in uh, educational television. So uh, at a local, kind of like the equivalent of PBS in the States. And I started there doing science. There, you got a picture there of me down below explaining nuclear fission, <laughs> a show called Inquiring Minds. And so it was sort of a answering questions, everyday questions about how the world works and, you know, why is the sky blue, that kind of thing. So I did that for four seasons. I was also one of the co-creators of the series. That won uh, an award and was sold around the world um, to, I think it was 36 different countries. I remember, I remember seeing the version of the show in, with Mandarin voiceover or with dubbing. That was, that was amazing. Um, yeah, so I've also been an actor here and there for the last 20 years on just appearing on the occasional, you know, American series. Uh, I think the last big thing I did was a movie, that Netflix uh, feature film called Small Crimes. Oh, wow. I think it might be still playing on uh, Netflix. I play a lawyer in that. So, yeah, it's kind of, you know, something I've been doing for the last 20 years. It's lots of fun. Teacher, um, coach, professor, lawyer. You're, you're <laughs> always playing a professional of some sort, right? <laughs> yeah, well, no, there's one occasion where I did play sort of a pseudo-criminal. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and I had to play an African national. And so I had to learn, um, I forget which accent it was, um, Liberian accent. Ah, in order to play this role. It was, it was amazing. It turned out really well. But that was, the, I think, the only time I... Well, I guess in small crimes, I'm kind of a bad guy there, too. So, Oh, okay. I'm versatile, Ross. <laughs> yes. And then you've also been behind the scenes, documentary filmmaking, camera work, uh, putting together how-to videos for YouTube. Tell us a little bit about what you've done uh, behind the camera. Oh, well, I actually started behind the camera. Um in uh, doing working in science documentaries so i was doing a lot of writing and researching and uh story editing and then i was eventually directing and um producing so i started behind the scenes and really learned how to make um television that way and then i eventually got in front of the camera so i got a, a sort of a 360 view of the process which really helped me later on when I approached projects because I was able to sort of, I was very good at uh, estimating budget and time needed to make a project because I had pretty much done all the jobs. So it, that really helped me when it came to being sort of more of a, an executive role. So yeah, so I, I started off camera, behind the camera. I've done a lot of stuff. I've done pretty much every aspect. Editing as well. I've edited, I edited a drama series that, mm -hmm. um, but I also created that was nationally broadcast for a few years. So, yeah, you know, just just working, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking with Michael Kenny. He's, uh, as we said, an actor, a TV and video creator and uh, somebody who knows the business very well. And since green screens are the new thing with StreamYard and the feedback has been really off the charts. People love it. Um, now you don't see the two doors behind me anymore, and the uh, I missed the doors, the Ross. doorknob, and the the it light switch, and 
all, all the all the gems because now I can put the cards in a different position. I used to have the cards kind of blocking some of that stuff, but now right. I can I can put the graphics up uh, a little bit differently on the side and leave my picture as it is. Now, uh, what I want to ask you is, uh, what are some of the things you learned along the way? Some of the basics that maybe people can put to use when they set up their green screen. The cool thing is you don't need to download any software for StreamYard. You just basically need a green screen and probably some lighting and you're you're good to go. There's a little slider that you can dial it in a little bit. Uh, but they did a nice job right out of the box StreamYard. So from from your experience, what are some, some basics that we should know from TV uh, that you could you could share with us about green screens? Sure. Um, really three things. Uh, the first, of course, the most important is lighting, right, is to have even lighting on the green screen. It's it's so important because it, it helps the, the, the software actually pull the key, meaning make the background transparent. If you have uneven lighting, it's almost like you have different shades of green, and the software is looking for a particular shade of green to, to remove. And all of a sudden it sees all these different shades and it's not, doesn't quite know what to do. So you end up with, you know, spotty areas in the green screen or, you know, around the edges, it's kind of, it's kind of rough and things like that. So even lighting is very important. The other thing too, is your distance from the green screen. I see some people get a little too close to the green screen. And what happens then is the light hits the green screen and reflects onto you. It's called spill. Mm. And so now you have green on you and it's going to start removing parts of you in the image because it sees green. So having a, a decent distance away. Now, some of that also are dependent on how bright your lights are and how reflective your green screen is. Now, you're using an Elgato green screen, correct? Yes. Yeah, I have one as well. They're pretty good at not reflecting too much back. So you can be a little closer to those ones. Um, and uh, third, oh, exposure. Now, a lot of times you don't have to worry about this, but sometimes you need to expose for the green screen. Some people expose for themselves, the subject, and then the, the green screen isn't the color green anymore because, right, right. you know, the level goes down. So it's a good idea is to expose for the green screen. And if you can, depending on the camera you're using, to lock your exposure and then bring the subject in. But it looks pretty good with you. You're using a webcam. Right. So... I mean, it's come a long way since I was doing green screen with DV video <laughs> back in 2002. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, the webcams are amazing. I mean, your key looks really good. Um, it's really come a long way to be able to key that way with a webcam. But still, you still need that even lighting. I think that's probably the number one tip. Maria asks what webcam I'm using. I am using the... Logitech C922X. It's very similar to the Logitech C920 that's been kind of a standard amongst live streamers and video creators for a long time. What, what camera are you using right now? Right now, I'm using a Sony mirrorless. I think this is the Alpha 5100 Okay, from 2015. Um, I got this you know, originally for vlogging back in 2015. Then I moved on to another camera, and this was kind of just sitting around for a while. And then I realized, well, hey, can I make this into a live streaming studio camera, like a right. studio camera from back in the days when I was in broadcasting? So I found a way to – luckily, this camera has a clean HDMI out, so I was able to take the, 
basically the it's the signals coming out of the camera it's going into out from the hdmi port it's going to a a i think it's called i think you pronounce it aja aja it's a converter box basically it converts hdmi to usb3 and that goes into the computer so it's a direct connection to the computer and so once i did that it's like wow i've got you know, I have now access to lenses. I have a nice wide angle lens on this. Right. And this camera pretty much just is stationary. It's like a studio camera. So, uh, yeah, I just, you know, repurposed an old camera. And uh, that's the camera I'm using. But I have used, I do have the Logitech C922, which I've used. I have the Logitech C920, which I still love. I have several of those and I use those still. I, I just love the picture quality of those still. Do you have to do much to dial in the settings with a green screen differently than how you would set it when you aren't using a green screen with a webcam? Yeah, you have to, like I said, you have to be conscious when it comes to a webcam, the white balance, because the white balance affects the color of the entire picture, including the green screen. All of a sudden, if you get the wrong white balance, your, your green screen is kind of looking like yellowy green, and then it does, you don't have a good key. So um, it's good to, again, if you have manual white balance, and there's controls you can get, um, like Logitech has software that you can dial in the settings for the Logitech webcams. Right. Um, it's funny, they switched it. It used to be called Logitech, I think it was camera settings, and they got rid of it. Now it's gaming software. So a lot of people oh, are, okay. are going, what happened to the... I just used the webcam settings app, I think, I yeah. know, which I'm not sure if that's Logitech or if somebody else well, makes it, but... Yeah, I've got the... Uh, you're on a Mac, correct? Yes. Yeah, I've got webcam settings on the Mac as well. But um, cross-platform, it's called Logitech Gaming Software. And I know this has thrown people off. They're like, well, I don't want gaming software. I want webcam software. Hmm. That software, you can it'll recognize your Logitech webcam, and then you can have all the controls. You can dial in things, white balance included. So the good thing to do with white balance is to to white balance to your green screen and then lock the white balance, like turn it from automatic right. to manual, so that green stays green. Um, that's a trick I've done. And so once you put it manual, wherever you set it, it's just going to stay there. And that's the lock. difference where auto is going to move around and always be recalculating. Right? Exactly. It's going to evaluate the picture constantly and say, and it looks and says, what's, what's supposed to be white in this picture? And it'll, and if the colors are different, it'll go, Oh, I, I need to adjust, you know, the picture or the color to make this white balanced. And all of a sudden some of your colors start shifting. And so, the, you know, it's a product of the lights that you have. For example, if you're using, um, you know, a lot of the LEDs are daylight set lights, right. right? That's okay. But if you start getting mixed lighting, like you have a daylight light and then you have maybe your, you know, your table lamp, which is a different color temperature, the white balance starts trying to find the balance between those two and your colors are off, particularly with your green screen. That's why it's so important with a green screen that you make it as green, consistently green as possible. Go Black Inc. says, I enjoy using the green screen with StreamYard. I use a Logitech camera. We'll try the gaming software. And John Dockery has uh, an issue. He says the green screen, when heavily, even when heavily lit, uh, the area where the picture was, even when he heavily lights the area, let me rephrase, the picture was glitchy for me this afternoon. And I'm just wondering, perhaps... 
can you overlight the green screen versus the light on you? And could that cause an issue? Or where do you think maybe the, the issue is residing? Yeah, when you, I think I mentioned earlier, when you overlight the green screen, what ends up happening is you get spill. So mm. you start getting green color on you, the subject. And if you're close, if you're like only a couple of feet away from that green screen, you're going to get green around your ed- you know, the edges. And so then when the software goes to pull the key to make the background transparent, it's going to start making parts of you <laughs> transparent. Right, right. And it's going to look all just crummy. It's going to be very sort of crumbly and glitchy looking. So you have to kind of, um, you, got, you can't light it too much. Just enough for the for the webcam to to actually you know see it and it is exposed, but again, don't be too close to the green screen. I try to be at least a couple feet, the very least three feet if right. I can away, so I don't get a lot of that bounce and that spill. And yeah. I know with a, with a webcam, it's difficult because the angle is so wide. You start to see, as you probably experienced, right? You start to right. see off the edges of your green screen. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So you have to start like, you know, trying to pull in, you know, crop the the edges if you can. So it's yeah, it's a delicate balance. And John says thanks that uh, he was actually believes that it is the spill. So he says thanks for the advice. Um, You've got a new studio set up there. Looks very different from the last time we talked. What, What have you done? Have you changed things around? Well, Ross, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked. Literally, when you when you messaged me uh, today to come on the show, which I was, of course, thrilled to, to do that, I was just finishing the, the, the last touches on this. So basically before my if, if you, I don't know if you remember my last setup, it was sort of straight back. So I had the camera here looking straight at me at my desk here. And then you had the monitor at the back. And I found it was just kind of flat. Hmm. And I guess it's the old TV training. When you're composing a shot, you're, you, we were always taught to create depth, right? right create right. depth in the frame, just more attractive. So I, and one way to do that is to shoot to the corners, right? Because the corners are farther back. So using that, that old advice, I basically rearranged the shot. So it's going back into the corner. I still have my monitor here. And um, the background here, uh, used to be just a white wall. And because now I also do podcasting in here, I decided to put up the acoustic tiles to help deaden the room uh, a bit. So, uh, yeah. And actually behind this, I, using my old theater skills, there's actually a closet behind here. Okay. So, so I built a, a false wall and basically put it over top of the closet so that I could have the, uh, the acoustic tile across. So, well, it's I nice. Can... It gives a feeling of sort of being dark. Like if you use this in the evening, it like gives a feeling sort of of nighttime, and yet you're very well lit. It's like a nice combination. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I decided for the live streaming because I'm going to be getting back into that heavily next month on my YouTube channel. Michael Kinney, by the way, anybody who's interested. Yes. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Yes. Um, getting back into live streaming. So I wanted to create a, a studio for that, you know, a different space that had a different look and feel than my YouTube upload videos, which look very different. Um, and they're shot in a different part of the room. So I wanted to create a contrast between those two, as well as, as you know, I'm starting a podcast as well. 
And so I wanted to be, I wanted the potential of perhaps making it one of a video podcast if I wanted to. So just having a studio space that's kind of turnkey and ready right. for that really helps, you know, getting the content out and I have a nice little guest chair where I can have somebody here in the studio for, you know, a, a live guest for podcasting. So, so what are some elements you think people should consider when they're setting up their live streaming studio, particularly if they're not using a green screen and they have a natural, more natural background like you do, what are some of the ways besides depth that you might want to set it up, particularly for live streaming or for a video podcast type feel? Well, I think, you know, the video podcast feel feels very studio. Like this feels studio to me. Like when I was putting it together and putting it in right, the lighting, right. I was like, oh, this reminds me of, uh, you know, <laughs> TV studio days. Um, it's a little more polished look. And I think it's it kind of fits with that sort of podcast, live stream, video podcast feel. You know, I've got the microphone in the shot. You know, I never used to do that. I don't do that for my other videos. But I think it's it's become you know, part of the sort of the vernacular of live streaming that, you know, the microphones here, people have gotten used to seeing it, right. Seeing right. the tools in the frame, right. It kind of just, you know, it's, it's, we, everybody knows there's a microphone here. How else are they going to hear us? So <laughs> let's, let's, let's not pretend right, <laughs> here it right. is. Right. But in terms of if you're, if you're putting together a live streaming studio, I think it's important that, you know, the background is making a statement that you want it to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is, is it in line with your brand? Is it in line with the kind of feel you're trying to give, you know, give across, um, you know, you want it, you want the background to obviously be neat and, you know, uncluttered somewhat, but you really want it to be making a statement so that if no one could hear you speaking and they saw your live stream, they could sort of get an idea of the feel of what's happening. Right. Right, it's like a right. branding element. So um, think about that when you're creating your background. Now, you don't have to be as elaborate as this. Though this is not that elaborate. I only have two lights. Right, so right. <laughs> but, you know, um, just think about what you're trying to say, what you want to say, the, the image you're trying to project with your live stream. And another thing, too, with live streaming I've found is um, you can be relaxed with it. Um, don't be afraid that, you know, you're looking at a monitor or you're, you know, picking up a piece of paper to, <laughs> to remind you of something, right? This is live. Right. And, and the more organic, I think the more inviting it is, the more people sort of see, you know, that, that fourth wall comes down and they see the tools and they, they, they see you being real. Right. I think it's just more, it's more attractive to people. Yeah. And, you know, we had uh, we had been talking off camera once about my setup and you'd given me some advice about moving my webcam from a, a stable, you know, like a still mini tripod or being on the laptop to getting one of those mini boom arms that people use for the for the webcam. Um, so I dialed in just where I could really be looking in the camera and seeing everything. And then when I got the green screen, now my area is compressed. And because the shot is so wide, the webcam is literally like so high up in comparison to where my computer is that I'm back at like looking down, looking up. But you know what? As you said, it's it's part of it's part of live broadcasting. And if I was doing five takes to put a, 
YouTube video together or something like that, then I could, you know, memorize a few a few lines that I know I want to say and look right in, into the camera. But here where I'm checking the comments and I'm making sure that we're on and changing shots, it's much harder to stay dialed into the camera. So you're saying it really isn't the worst thing. People know you're live. They know you're producing. They know you've got video tools and microphones and a chat that you're watching. And it's okay if if you're doing yeah. that. You know, it's it's one of those things. Is I believe as long as you check in once in a while, right? It's right. I see live streaming like it's a conversation, right? And when you're having a conversation with someone, you're not constantly staring at them. That would be kind of creepy, right? Right. right. You kind of look off in thought, or you're, you know, you 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 know you you look at your coffee, or you mm-hmm. take a sip, and then you come. As long as you kind of check in, like the lens is the audience, right? right? So as long as you're you check in once in a while with them, you keep that connection. Because this new setup, you know, the camera right now, my computer is here, and the camera is over here. The camera used to be more in line with the computer, so my eye line. You know, I I was able to keep my eye line up right. to the camera and still, but now it's over. But I, you know what? It's fine. I check in with a computer. I look at my, you know, I look at the computer. I check in with the camera. I'm looking at notes. I come back as long as you come back once in a while. Right, right. I think that's really all you need to do. Now, that's my opinion. Some people don't even look at the camera right. when, they, <laughs> when, they, when they live stream. They're just kind of looking at themselves. And, you know, if that works for them fine you know good i mean if you feel comfortable doing that that's fine as long as you know you're making the content well you can definitely do talk radio style if you want to like basically it's talk radio with webcams is what i called it when i first found blab you know five years ago (laughs) yeah it's like it's like the spy cam right it's like Mm -hmm. it's like fly on the wall watching everything happen and that and that works too right that works too i just find i like i just come from television and i'm just so trained to make contact with the lens right especially if i'm doing i used to do a live show back in back in the day i did a live daily call-in show where i was live i had a guest with me in the studio and i was taking calls all live so i was trained to when i'm talking to callers you know not looking here or <laughs> looking down but picture them you know through the lens right, so when i'm talking right. to someone when i was talking to someone on the phone i would look through the lens when I'm talking to them. So, so it appears that you're listening intently on what they're saying rather than doing something else. And eh, it's yeah. not that important the call. I'll just get back on and say my piece when they're done. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> then the audience look... starts to wander too and gets the idea yeah. this isn't that important, I guess. To my... Yeah, and some people will look off and, you know, they'll listen. You know, we have that tendency when we're listening on a phone call, we kind of look off. And <laughs> when I started, I started doing that. And I remember I had the, the, the IFB, the little thing in right. my ear and then the control room talking to me and they say look at the camera right. oh. <laughs> so i'm so trained to do that now right so, right uh, yeah but i mean everybody has their style right and that's the beauty of this whole platform live streaming online video you can try all kinds of things and if it works great if it doesn't you can adjust and that's the beauty of it we're talking with michael kenny his website is video how to's Dot com. His YouTube channel is Michael Kinney. You can also connect with him on Facebook at Michael Kinney Media. This is StreamYard Connect. We're going to continue with Michael in just a moment. He's going to share some tips for on-camera, how you can project more confidence, how you can 
have a presence on camera that connects you with your audience and really delivers the type of quality that you want to present from his experience in TV is nobody really teaches us these things when we start live streaming. And so I can't wait to talk to him about that in just a moment. We're going to power right on into the post show. There's really no break. There's no difference between the show and the post show today. We got an A-list guest. We're going to do the whole hour or, or just about an hour with Michael, we do want to tell you that StreamYard's got a couple of shows that you want to look out for. Uh, Every Sunday night, Dan and Gage, the co-founders, go live on the StreamYard Town Hall. That's Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You can find that on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, which means Twitter as well, and on LinkedIn. And then we go live here every other Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern StreamYard Connect. That is on Facebook and LinkedIn, Twitch, and Periscope. And, of course, don't forget we're going to have a special show coming to you live from PodFest 2020 on Saturday, March 7th at 10 a.m. Eastern Hall of Fame podcaster Rob Greenlee, who's also a live streamer and a StreamYard user, in fact, uh, will be joining me and we will be talking about all the news and events and things going on with PodFest. And it's more than just podcasting. It's all different types of new media. There's going to be a live streaming panel that I'm going to be on. There's an event called VidFest that covers a lot of YouTube and live streaming and video aspects of content creation so there's a lot of different things that are going on of interest often there's new products and some news and i I can't wait to chat with rob and let you all know what's going on at podfest and if you're going to be at podfest we're having a meetup there it's going to be a live streamers meetup sponsored by Streamyard. there's going to be giveaways appetizers and it's just a great opportunity for live streamers and any content creators whether you're a live streamer or or not to get together and meet each other in person get to know each other a little better and just have a good time at 4 p.m eastern on friday march 6 let's get back to our guest it's michael kinney and Michael Kinney Media on Facebook, and Michael Kinney on YouTube. Videohowtos.com is the website. So, Michael, as I was mentioning before uh, we took a quick break there, I, I am, I'm going live now on camera. Nobody told me how to, how to do on camera. I, my background was radio. I was a professional broadcaster for 12 years. Never used a camera. I think I did one TV interview once uh, when a colleague of mine was uh, an extra on Seinfeld and they made a big fuss about it in the 90s. Otherwise, the the video thing, I, I didn't know very much about. What can you share with people who are live streaming that perhaps you learned or were taught in TV or in acting or movies where... We just wouldn't know that it's a, it's an inside it's it's an insider technique that maybe people could apply and they can upgrade their confidence on camera or how they relate to the audience on camera. Sure. Well, you know the biggest thing, I mean, the elephant in the room, right, is right. confidence. People, particularly when you're online, um, you know, people 
you know, they, they know they're going to be judged. Right. Right. And you don't want to look stupid. Nobody wants to. But at a certain point, you have to let that go. And I think the biggest lesson I learned in television, because I was doing a lot of information programming with a lot of facts and, and, and things. And and I was very worried about getting things wrong and looking dumb or stupid. And then I changed my mindset. And the big change was, hey, listen, this is not about me. I'm here. I'm just a messenger with this information that the audience needs to know. Now, they really need to know this. Forget about me. Forget about what I look like, what I sound like. You need to know what I'm about to tell you. And what that changed my approach. Just it was a revolution for me um, because it got me out of my own head, right? And into this sort of this, you've probably heard this, this place of service where you're serving, you're helping. And when you're serving or helping someone, you're not in your own head. And that was a, a huge mindset shift that really helped me relate to the camera, be more confident on camera because I wasn't thinking about myself. I was thinking about I need my audience needs to understand this information. So I'm going to give it to them. That was one big sort of aha moment. Um, one that's a little more tactical is is uh, this is a little trick. It's kind of obscure, but right. don't look into the lens. Now that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Wait a second, you're doing on camera, you should be looking into the lens. You're not looking into the lens. You're making you're you're casting your gaze toward the lens, but you're not looking at the lens because what happens and this happened to me is when you concentrate on the lens, you start to look at all the little reflections, the mm. glass, and that throws you. You lose your train of thought, right? You lose your concentration. And so I'm looking at the lens right now, but I'm not looking at the lens. My gaze is toward the lens, and I'm talking. But I'm, what I see are the thoughts in my head. It's kind of, right. you know what I mean? A lot of people get lost. It's like a deer in the headlights when they look at the camera. So, so talk, me, talk me through this. Let me try and do it, and then people can, can maybe see the difference. Okay. Right now, I'm staring at the lens. I'm right. looking right into that little red dot in the webcam that's beyond the circle, and I'm staring at it. Yeah. So now I'm really engaged with my audience. Yeah, but you look kind of you look kind of <laughs> creepy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm kind of scared, Ross. Okay, so is this better? <laughs> I'm just kind of looking in the area. Yeah, you're looking. Yeah, you're looking at the area. But when you're talking, right, right, and you're talking to somebody, you know, you're 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 gazing at them. You're looking at them. Your attention is towards them, but you're not mm -hmm. like dissecting them with your eyes, right? Right, right. And 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 people can get. I've seen this happen before, particularly in a studio situation where you have all lights around you and all these distractions. And people will look at the lens and they'll get, they'll stop, they'll get stuck, they'll lose their right, train right. of thought because they, they're looking at the lens. It's, it's kind of like this hypnotic effect. So you got to think like there's a person there. You got to picture a person there, or just well, it's, it's almost like the lens is a target. Right, right, right. You sort of have to kind of aim at, mm -hmm. but don't be staring at it and concentrating on it too much. Right. That's just I'll have to work on it more. I thought I could show that transformation in two seconds, but yeah, it takes yeah. work, right? I mean, it well, takes... that's, that's the other thing, Ross. It's practice, practice, practice. You know mm -hmm. how many times when I was in television, I would every time before a shoot. Right. I had to go on camera. I'd be practicing my script in the mirror mm -hmm. just to get used to, again, making eye contact with myself in terms of keeping my gaze towards a target and delivering the information. And a lot of this is practice. 
And once you, you, you practice more, you'll get more relaxed with it. And then you'll, you'll really be able to concentrate on the content and making, you know, re refining your delivery of the content, which is, you know, what your audience is there for. Kevin Black says, Michael, teach him the blinking technique. Do you know a blinking technique? A blinking technique? What do you, I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, uh, like, don't like, blink? Or, or maybe, a, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something that's very interesting. Um, when I do informational television, like this, video, whatever, mm -hmm. and you're in a conversation, people blink, it's natural, people look off. Mm -hmm. You know, it's natural. In acting, it's very different. Um, uh, camera acting is very different. If you, if you notice any actors, and I learned to do this too, <laughs> mm -hmm. they don't blink. If you watch, watch, watch a movie oh, really? with an intense scene... And you'll notice right right now, people don't blink when they're acting. But in TV, you should blink or? It's very, see Ross? It's, it's very too intense. Scene. It's a little too intense. <laughs> but this is, how, this is how you're dramatic in your acting, Ross. Right, right. This is what you need to do. Do you understand me? Right? So <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the drama. I but feel the television... weight of this uh Ask or about then, yeah, exactly. Well, television is you know, depends on what you're doing. Like, right, this kind right. of thing is loose, it's conversational. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing the news, mm -hmm. I'm not doing this and doing that, and I'm, I'm straight to the lens. And a lot of times, because you're reading a prompter, right? So, you have to look at the lens. So, it's, it's a different situation. Hmm. But, um, it's funny, somebody I saw a comment about blinking in somebody else's video saying, Hey, why, why do you blink so much? Do you blink on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> not for me it was somebody else's video and it was an interesting question is like is it distracting don't you blink when you're talking to someone in conversation you know hmm. it's i mean if you're constantly doing this obviously that's distracting right right, right. you naturally blink and when you're in a conversation i think the bottom line is i think with live streaming online video whether mm -hmm. it's youtube or this kind of thing I think you want to make it as conversational mm -hmm. as possible. Right, right. Not not so formal, but more conversational. Kato Bell has a question. He says, great sound, Michael. Are you using an audio mixer to power the mic? Uh, yeah, I'm using um, a Rodecaster Pro. And this is a Rode, this is a Rode Procaster. I know it's confusing the names. Um, so the Procaster, the Procaster is being so the Procaster the is the microphone and the Rodecaster yeah. is the mix. Okay. The Rodecaster is the mixer, um, USB audio interface, um, everything actually. You know about the Rodecaster Pro, right, Ross? I do. I do. I've yeah. seen it at several events and have a lot of friends who've picked it up. Now I can add you to that list <laughs> as well. Uh, have you played around with the, uh, the sound effects or loaded any of your own in there yet? Um, yeah, I played around with them. Um, I haven't loaded in my own yet, uh, but I was, I was having fun with my kids actually. We were doing a, pod <laughs> we were doing a podcast in here. Had a, I had my, uh, my nine-year-old in the guest chair and, uh, we were, we were doing a little test. I wanted to test it out. So I was playing all the little pads and all the sound effects and she's right. like, hey, how are you doing that? Where is that coming from? It's magic. It's magic. Kevin, it's a great little unit. 
Kevin Black says, yeah, it's good stuff. Michael is a joy to learn from. And uh, you, we Thank really you. appreciate Michael Kenny being here. Can you can you hang on for a few more minutes? or For you, Ross, certainly. Well, then certainly. let me ask you the next question. Um, body language when you're on camera. Do you want to sit squared up? to the camera and look straight ahead or do you want to be your body to be angled do you want to move do you want to be mostly still how do you want to sort of comport yourself when you're in more or less a talking head type situation as we are now well a lot of it depends on the size of the shot mm-hmm. so if you're in a tighter shot you know you don't want to be moving around because you're going to be out of frame right right um in this kind of shot this is like a medium close-up mm-hmm. i'm not going to be moving a lot laterally i can move my hands right right I, I do that a lot when i talk and that's fine um again it's about keeping it conversational mm-hmm. i find if you start giving people too many little pointers okay turn three quarters and <laughs> turn and don't move your head and when you and when you i've seen this before teaching people how to gesture with their hands right and i've seen people who had training and they they do this when they talk and they gesture at just the right time. That does not you, look You see natural. a lot of politicians who are somehow told like to tuck the thumb and they do <laughs> over and over. Every sentence is punctuated with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as long as you're not, I, I did a whole video about this on, on my YouTube channel. As long as you're not bouncing around, I see people sometimes when they get nervous, they start mm-hmm. moving and bouncing. That's distracting. And at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You want to reduce the distractions. Right, right. You can move your hands. It's fine. It's natural. That's what we do when we're talking. But try not to bounce too much or distract too much. And, um, you know, the the point of contact are the eyes. Hmm. So as long as you're keeping contact with the eyes, you can move, but you're still still making contact. What's a tip you received maybe early on or some point in your career for being on camera that really helped you maybe more than anything else or just was a breakthrough point for you? I think the biggest piece of advice was you, is your energy level. Mm. And this was, it was, this was uh, early on because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a laid back kind of guy. And so when I got on camera, I had that same kind of laid back energy that I would have, you know, if I'm, with my friends or my family or whatever, it doesn't translate well through the lens. Right. It's like the lens kind of takes like a 0.5%, half a percent of your energy gets sucked through the, (laughs) through the electronics as it goes through and through the wire. I don't know. Right. Right. But I found that the biggest, the most, uh, the biggest piece of advice I got when I started was to up the energy. You got to be, Mike, and someone said, you got to be Mike 1.5. Right, right. Right? So add add 0.5% on top of the energy, and then it translates well through the camera. Very true. Yeah. So that's the one, I think, the biggest piece of advice I got early on. Here's a question. Um, do you need a dress code? Well, I believe that if you're going to be on LinkedIn, you should have a collar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> As you can see, uh, we're both uh, dressed in our our Sunday best here. (laughs) (laughs) Should I have a collar? No. Um, I think it's your dress code is very much in line with your brand, right? What it's like when I was talking about the background. Mm -hmm. What image? What what kind of feel are you trying to give for your brand? 
right? So if I if I didn't hear the sound, if I turn off the sound and I just look at the picture, what kind of feel am I going to get? Am I going to get, oh, this is sort of very professional? I mean, that could work if that's if that's your brand, very professional, right? more formal. Or are you more, you know, I consider my brand a little more sort of creative mm-hmm. kind of, you know, so I've got, you know, the, the V-neck shirt and, you know, because that's just what I wear when I'm creating, making videos and stuff like that. I try to give sort of a, you're in the workshop kind right, of feel. Right, right. So, again, you got to think about what your brand is. And then everything else, your your background, all those elements, your dress code should be in line with your brand. So that's what I think. Are there times where it's good to lose the microphone? Um, I just dialed in my mixer settings to try a lav mic at some point. Uh, I don't know if I have a good enough one to really do a this type of show where I'm also going to make a podcast out of it. But maybe for something that I do, I, I just might want to try going without without the uh, the mic in front. Is there certain times where one translates better than the other when you're, when you're doing videos? Well, I, it, again, it depends on the purpose. So much of it's context, right? right so right. when I do my YouTube videos, I don't, I don't want any, I don't want any of the tools in sight. Right. Right. Because the, for me, that what's important there is the content and the information. And I try to get out of the way as much as possible. I'm just a guide because you're here to learn video editing or iMovie or Keynote. That's what right. you, you know, you did a search for on YouTube and Hey man, that's what I'm here for. So I'm just to say, Hey, you're in the right place. You're going to learn about that. Now I'm going to step out of the way. Right. I'm going to guide you through the information. And at the end, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it worked out. See you later. I'm trying to remove myself from that as much as possible. So I don't want any distraction with the microphones and other things. I want the content to really be front and center. But that's for that kind of video. Right. This kind of video, we're live streaming, we're talking, we're having a conversation. I don't mind having the microphone in, you know? And the other thing, too, is I try to match the other person. So right. I know, Ross, you have the microphone in the shot. So I'm going to match that. Because it's going to make a consistency, right? I learned this a long time ago um, doing on-camera interviews where you would try to match the person you're, you're, you're interviewing. So, for example, if you showed up, I once showed up to an interview and I had like a shirt and a tie. Right. And I was going to be on camera and the person was totally casual. So I thought, uh-oh. So I took off the tie, hmm. undid the button, <laughs> rolled up the sleeves, rolled up the cuffs right, to try to match and the feel that they had, right? So it wouldn't be such a distraction. And so if I was on with someone else who doesn't have the mic in the shot, who's just mm-hmm. like this, I would probably endeavor not to have the mic in the shot so that there's consistency right, and right. it matches. I Very mean, that, that's what I do. That's what I yeah. do. You mentioned iMovie. You mentioned Keynote. Uh, what are What are some of the free tools or relatively inexpensive tools that aren't super complex to learn that you feel, Hey, this does a pretty good job. I've used, you know, you've used some of the really high end, most, you know, top end film and TV production tools. What are some of the free tools that are around that you say, Hey, you could do a really good YouTube video or a live stream or, you know, polish up your, your live stream to cut it into clips with that that is more than good enough for for what we're doing here well i mean 
some of the most popular videos on my YouTube channel are my iMovie tutorials. Mm. And um, I'm, I mean, obviously iMovie is Mac only. Uh, right. There are some free tools on the Windows side that are actually pretty good. Um, things like um, uh, Shotcut and Olive is a new one that's come out that are relatively simple to use but have a lot of features. But on the Mac, iMovie... <laughs> You can do, I mean, this is me personally, you can do 90% of your editing in iMovie. Right. Because you have right. to understand where I came from. I came from tape, linear tape-based editing in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, early 90s. You know, there was no nonlinear digital back then. It was the huge tape machines. And you basically, editing back then was play the piece of tape from one machine and record it onto another tape machine. And that was it. If you wanted to change your mind, you had to go back and re-record. It was, it was. I mean, it seems medieval, right? And, and so <laughs> you lose, you lose quality each time yeah, you do that as well. Yeah, exactly. So we, you, yeah, so you lose quality. It, it's just laborious. But we made TV shows, and we it was fine. Fast forward to now, and I look at iMovie. Mm -hmm. You can you can do 4K. You can do 1080P. You can edit. I, I did a video on the precision editing tool in iMovie, which mm -hmm. is like high-end quality. This is the same tool you'll find in Final Cut Pro that people oh, weren't wow. aware of. They're like, what? I didn't know that was in iMovie. All these tools that are available in that application. The thing is, though, you'll use, let me think of this right. You use 20% of the tools in any software 80% right. of the time. Right. So, you know, if you're on Photoshop, it's got all these features, but think about mm -hmm. the actual features and tools that you use consistently and constantly. It's about 20% probably. And it's the same. And if that 20% is good, then, you know, and it does what it needs to do for you. That's excellent. It's the same thing with iMovie. You know, it, it, it does 80, 90% of what right. you need to do. So if it's there, it's on your machine, it's free, it's fairly simple to use. Right. Why not, you know, go there first? And then if you if you need something more, then look at something more advanced like Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere Pro. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for spending just about the entire hour with us and sharing your knowledge and experience from your time in television as an actor, as a filmmaker, producer, movies, and also an awesome YouTube channel. Michael Kenny is his name. It's also the name of the channel. You can find him online at uh, videohowtos.com and on Facebook, it's Michael Kenny Media. What's what's coming up next for you? What should we, what should we be looking for? Oh, next month is going to be a big month. Um, I'm relaunching my live stream on my YouTube channel. Um, and I'm making it more th sort of topic driven rather mm -hmm. than just random Q and a, because I did a poll with my, my subscribers and they wanted me to focus on a particular area. So I'm going to be doing that weekly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also uh, starting a podcast as well called pushing pixels. Yes. You remember that Ross? Yes. <laughs> and that'll be, that'll also be, that's going to be audio only to start. We'll see what happens. But that that'll also be available on my YouTube channel as well as iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. Well, thanks so much again for joining us. It's great talking to you, Michael. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good to see you.